If I had the power, I'd fire your ass because I can't change people who don't give a shit. No. Are you in the healthcare field or would you like to learn how to save a life? Let Central Valley Medical teach you today. We offer CPR and first aid, IV therapy, ACLS, PALS, NRP, and more. Visit us at www.morethancpr.com or call us today at 559-765-0306. We do more than just CPR. Learn to respond to a code, not react. All right, y'all. Welcome to another episode here on the Nurse to Nurse podcast with your girl, Starshima, and your good, good, good nurse guy friend, Kevin. What's up, Kevin? How's it going, guys? I'm glad that you guys are here today. We're doing another episode with Starshima. And like Starshima says, build your damn brand so you can make your money. Right. Let's get this money. Let's get to this money. Let's get to this money. But let's just drive impact as well while we get into this. But I love it. I love it. I love it. So, Kevin, we got a big topic today. And I I love this topic. It's how to protect yourself as a nurse when the organization fails you. I mean, that's huge because I remember being a young nurse and coming out into the profession. I always thought that organizations will be there to protect me in the event that I did anything wrong. Right. Right. And I have to say, in my time of nursing at the bedside, to my knowledge, (laughs) right, to my knowledge that I have never done anything that will harm patients or have caused any harm to them. But to be human is to err. I don't know. Right. So with this, I think that this topic is a very, very good topic because now we're starting to see in the last year, year and a half, two years Nurses are coming out in the news much, much more than what we have ever done before, right? And, and and maybe I'm just more aware, maybe I'm woke and you may have a different experience of that, but I feel like nurses are being talked about much more often. And the conversation now is like how we talk about how, no, it's an organizational thing versus a nurse thing. And we want to have a conversation with you all today to say, how can you protect yourself as a nurse when the organization fails you? What does that mean to you, Kevin? Well, I don't think it's just nursing. I, there's a recent story that came out about two EMS workers. I don't know if you saw that story. No, I didn't see that. So there's two EMS. I don't remember what state it's in, Kentucky or Tennessee, but they had a patient and people can quote me if I'm wrong. I don't remember exactly what happened to the patient. It was a probably a psych patient or a violent patient that they picked up on scene, non-compliant patient, whatever you want to call it. And they were just too lazy to deal with it. And they put the person face down on the gurney. They wow. strapped them down, face down. And what happened to the patient? Probably knocked them out. Uh, they died. Yeah. Now they're being, they didn't get knocked out. They died. And now they're being charged for second degree murder. Wow. So, you know, I mean, when you so make They struck these- the patient. Let me go back. So they basically planted the face, planted the patient on the gurney in a forceful type manner. No, they just tied them face down. Oh, they tied them face down. Yes. I don't know. The word, restrained. Restrained. Okay. They were using some protective they probably devices. Used, they probably used leather. They used the seat belts because some of the gurneys probably had to remember those orange seat belts on the gurneys. Yes. Wow. So was it that this person died because of suffocation because they were face down and tied and couldn't move? Is that what so they were? Probably suffocated. So it says EMS workers charged with murder. Video shows patients strapped face down. Wow. Two EMS workers from, and I don't know if I'm saying this right, Sangamon County in Illinois are facing 
first degree murder after authorities accused him of incorrectly placing a patient face down on a stretcher and strapping him down across his back to transport him to the hospital. Wow. One EMS worker was 50, that was 44. So they're, they probably are pretty seasoned and stuff. And then the, the patient was only 35 years old. Wow. Pronounced dead when he got to the hospital. The autopsy revealed the cause of death was compressional. I don't even know what that means. That doesn't make sense. But compressional and positional asphyxia. They're just probably saying he probably compressed his, mm-hmm. it choked him to death. So, I, I mean, I don't, what did they do? Like, if you, we have them in the ED. Mm-hmm. If you have somebody that's spitting at you, what do we do? We have that little mask, like a bouffant mask that you can put over that where they won't suffocate. But if they spit, they're just going to spit on themselves. Right. Absolutely. You remember those? Yeah, I remember those. And like least restrictive things so. instead of trying to tie somebody down. Or, I mean, if you tie somebody down, they, they're <laughs> still hockaloogie at you, right? <laughs> so these EMS <laughs> workers, it sounds like they really like violated policy and procedure, you know? When I was a young nurse, I used to always think about, and even as we were talking in the green room, you know, it's like, I've never carried liability insurance as a nurse because I always felt that as long as I worked in an organization and I did the right thing, that the organization will cover me, right? But what we're seeing more so in many different situations that you may not always necessarily be covered when you are not following policy, or there can be policies that you are unaware of that you are not following that can also put you up for litigation, right? Because you didn't what? Didn't read the policy or go search it out for yourself. (laughs) Is that what it is? Right. But I'm just being honest. I mean, I'll give an example. At the last organization that you worked at, how long did you work there? I was there for about 16 years in different capacities. If you read one policy every day that you went to work, just one, you would have read the policy and procedure manual like 20 times over. Right. Did I do that? No. You're like the typical nurse, never read policy, except the clocking in, clocking down, holiday pay and shit. Right. Well, you know what? As a new grad nurse, there was times when there was things like when I first gave my first blood transfusion, right? Those were things that I had to look to and lean to and then ask questions because as a very novice nurse, even though you read it, what's black and white, sometimes you need that interpretation, uh, the shades of gray and your client's or your patient's condition, right? But also I think that sometimes what happens is because we're in such an information overload society that we often lean to our seniors or people who we appear to have more experience to give us that experience. And I think I'm thinking more so as the nursing profession is being more populated with a lot of younger nurses and perhaps some fake nurses. We'll talk about that in another episode, but that your information may not always be as good. And in that it puts you at risk for litigation and makes you fall from underneath that protection and that umbrella from nursing. So what do you do and how do you protect yourself? Well, I mean, I always tell every nurse you should get liability insurance, but most nurses don't because they're afraid to buy it because they think that if you buy it and have it, you're going to get sued more or their managers or their older nurses like us say, oh, no, you don't need that. The hospital will cover you. And that's false. Like, and I don't sell insurance. I don't I'm not getting money off of them. But there's two groups you can go to. One is NSO, NSO.com. The other one I told you, I, I got to make sure I'm telling you right, but I think it's called cmfgroup.com. There's only two of them that I'm aware of. I have both because it's only $200 every year for both. But something else you didn't know about me, but I do legal nurse consulting too. So when people get sued, 
the attorneys will hire me because I'm a, a certified emergency nurse. They'll hire me and they'll say, hey, review these charts and tell me, did the nurse follow policy? Did they do something wrong? And so when I get these, I go to the hospital and they have to give me their policy so I can read their policies. Mm -hmm. And I look at what the nurse did and I'm like, well, their policy says this, but they did this. Mm -hmm. It sucks, but that's what happens in lawsuits. The problem is if you never read the policies, you're relying on me, an older nurse, to tell you something that may not be true. Yeah. Because you trust me. And if I'm a seasoned nurse and you came to me, start seeing me say, hey, Kevin, can I hang blood? The first thing out of my mouth would be what? Well, you said when I come to you and say, can I hang can blood? You, can you hang blood? What would be the first thing out of my mouth? I don't know. What would you ask me? What's the damn policy say? Yeah. Read the policy. And if you don't know where the policy is, I'd show you where to go find a policy. I'd help you pull the policy. I'd have you read the policy. And then I'd have you come back and talk to me about the policy. Okay, because I was going to say that nurse clearly didn't know they scoped because I was like, Kevin, I know I can hang blood. I may not know how to hang it. I got you. Way to start it, but yeah. Yeah, but you know, I mean, we sometimes we don't really teach nurses things like that. So like the biggest thing that's going on here in the Valley, we have a lot of LVNs in the hospital now. Mm -hmm. And RNs don't know what LVNs can and can't do. True. So if they're certified in IV therapy, they can hang blood as long as it's within their hospital policy. Right. What's happening at your organization where you used to work at, RNs don't know what to do. So when the nurse, the LVN goes, gets the blood from the blood bank, can an LVN check blood? You know, can they verify? Or does it have to be two registered nurses? I think it's, well, it says you should have two licensed nurses. Wait, wait, say that again. Nurses. No, that's not what it says. See, that's your interpretation. That's where older nurses get fucked up. Say your first statement again. It You need two. Licensed, licensed nurses. Yeah, but you're not a licensed nurse. You're just an LVN. No, they are licensed. I nurses. know that, but that's a common thing RN saying. I'm like, that means you don't know your ass from a hologram because an LVN is a licensed nurse. Now, yeah. do they have the same scope as you know? But the policy says two licensed nurses. Right. So you got to make sure that you know what you're talking about before you educate people. If you're not, ask questions. I mean, we can't know everything. Right. But always tell people to go to the policy. Always follow policy. Yeah. That's interesting as a legal nurse consultant. Thank you for sharing that because I'm just mm -hmm. learning so much about you on this podcast. Like, oh my gosh, y'all. So he might be the one that's going and reviewing our charts when we... Yes. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I had a case that was in a local hospital here in the Valley that was really interesting that I reviewed. Wow. So wow, and it's hard sometimes because cool. I may know the nurse and shit and I can't say nothing and I don't... You know, I'm not trying to be judgmental, but I'm like, damn, did they really fucking do that and shit? Right. <laughs> You know, no, truly. And looking at that, like, I think, and it adds so much texture of saying nurses, how do you protect yourself, right? With this, because I see it happening all the time. And majority of the time, like when you're looking at some of these cases, just, you don't have to tell me the cases or shed that light on any of that. We don't want to violate anything. I won't, but I won't some of these names, but I can still talk about the details because the case yeah. is better, but I, you know I mean? So when you look at some of these things, do you think that these things was really intentional or were they like small mistakes in attention to detail? I don't, know I don't think they were intentional, but I just think it's maybe a lack of education, lack of understanding. Like I'll give you an example. One of the problems was this lady came into the emergency department and her temperature, according to the chart, her temperature was 94 degrees for eight hours. Okay. She's a little hypothermic. And they never what? Right. But they never what? Never warmed her up, never tried if, to do any type of measures or anything. If they did, it wasn't in a chart. Oh. So as a legal expert, what do I have to say in court? 
the standard is that you would have done this and a normal prudent nurse with this level of experience would have done if you this. Did, if you did take the warming measure, you should have documented them. But it wasn't. It wasn't documented. And the vital signs reflected that she stayed 94 the whole year. And what happened to the patient? She died. She died. So, I mean, what do you do? I mean, I'm not trying to be mean to nurses, but I'm like, it's easy for people. Well, oh, that's common sense. I don't teach about common sense because sometimes people aren't raised with common sense and some people don't have common sense. You got to, you know, if, if people make mistakes, like if you made a mistake, Starshima, I know it sounds harsh, but I would go to you and say, Starshima, are you fucking stupid or you don't give a shit? I can see you telling me that in the, in no, but, the bar room. but I would, I'm not trying to do it out of malice, but I really mean it. I would ask, are you stupid or you don't give a shit? Which one right. is? Mm -hmm. And depending on your answer, it tells me what I'm going to do with you. Right. If you say, I'm, I'm just stupid, Kevin, what can I do with you? Educate well, me. Right. If you don't give a shit, what would I do with you? Probably report you. Like you probably no, I would just, if I was your if I had the power, I'd fire your ass because I can't change people who don't give a shit. No. So I mean I can fix people who don't know because I don't know everything. Like I don't know shit about OB. I always talk about that. Like I'm not an OB nurse. I don't know what L and D nurses do and stuff. So I wouldn't I'd go to L and D nurse for that stuff. I would ask those nurses so because you can't know everything. Right. So the thing is, like, be as educated as possible, because if not, in those cases, when you're not taking the lead and the initiative to know your job and to know what your scope is and to know what the standard of care is. And a lot of these standards are put in our policies and procedures because they're evidence based. They have to go get evidence based information. to yeah, put but our, them schools, in. our schools aren't always teaching evidence based. Why? They probably don't. See what I mean, I know, but you got to think about that because I'll give an example. When you insert a Foley catheter, do you still inflate the balloon and check it for integrity? Well, according to the current text that you should not do that because you can destroy the balloon. It has nothing to, to do with destroying the balloon, though. And that's where we failed each other. Mm -hmm. Inflating the balloon and deflating balloon is the number one cause of urinary tract infections. Mm -hmm. Why? Is it because you're just inflating and deflating prior to inserting the catheter? Yes. yes. Is it because you run the risk of contaminating? Well, you're going to contaminate. You're going to bring some contaminants in. You, you shouldn't, but you probably will because most people aren't good at sterile you know, process. But think about this. Now, I'm going to be very graphic and visual. I should have pictures next time. I'm going to let you give me co-host privilege so I can put up pictures. and. You can me. put them up. <laughs> what does your urethra look like? If I'm down in your private area looking at your urethra, what does it look like? What should it look like? A small little, I mean, I'm sure small, it's like a narrow right. little, narrow what color, little. What color little. should it look like? Huh? What color should it be? It should be pink. Right. I mean, and it's, it internally, be, you're thinking about, right? Right. It should yeah. be smooth and beautiful. Yeah. yeah. All right. So what does the Foley catheter look like when you first take it out of the sterile package? What does the tip of it look like? Nice and smooth and intact. and all. What does it look it? like after you inflate the balloon and deflate the balloon? Oh, now we have now expanded the territory. So it's now it may be a little rough. Around. Right. So yeah. what's going to happen when I put my rough tip of my catheter into your beautiful, smooth urethra? It's going to scratch it up a little bit. It's going to cause some abrasions as it's going. Exactly. Out. Causing micro tears. And then when I inflate the balloon, what's it going to shove in your micro tears? Probably bacteria or whatever may have possibly but been. Don't fucking check the balloon before you put the motherfucker in the damn patient, because that's what you're doing to your patient, though. I know, but, but they still teach that in school, even though the books say don't do it. Yeah. But the older nurses, well, that's the way we've always done it. Well, I think it's more so now the older, more seasoned nurses, right? Because that's the way we've always done it. And sometimes we don't go back and learn those basic things like Foley catheter insertion, right? 
So we're like, hey, you coming in? You're a new nurse. Hey. And they're like, I'm going to put this catheter in. I know you didn't get many in nursing school. So we're going to put some in. Check that balloon. They're like, and the student is nervous, right? Because they know that the textbook says we don't check it. But they're like, this damn new nurse is telling me I need to check it because of X, Y, and Z. So I think it's also, I mean, we have to really stay abreast even as seasoned nurses of some of the changes because I'll be honest with you when I first heard about it even as an instructor what the hell are they talking about I've always checked my balloons I'd rather check to make sure that the balloon is working and functional in the patient's bladder before you know so yeah yeah and so and then they're like no Missy it's this I'm like oh well I stand corrected right you know, but now understanding and UTIs are huge things in organizations, right? Hospital acquired infections. And they say that it's the nurses as in our technique. So let's mitigate the risk of getting urinary tract infections while in the hospital. And this is right. one way to do it. But now, you know, it is our technique, but what are we doing about it? Because I have nurses who I teach this to, and what do they still do? Still to check it? Because yes. yes. that's the way we've always done it. But that tells me they don't care about their craft. They only care about their ego. Mm. Ooh, say that again. They don't care about their craft. They don't care about their craft. They care about their ego. Right. So do you care about my craft? Right. So do you think we're kind of egotistical as nurses? We're more egotistical than doctors. We just don't want to admit it. <laughs> no way, Kevin. Yes. No way. I mean, so- you said your student corrected you, but you didn't get mad. You're like, oh shit, my bad. Okay, I learned it something. Yeah. But most nurses can't do that. If somebody, if a younger nurse tries to correct you or says something, you get all bent out of shape. Well, you're just a new nurse. Okay, but I just learned that shit. So maybe you should do some research and learn it too. Right. So we should almost start respecting our newer nurses coming in. You know how that concept of like older nurses eat their young, but these new nurses that are coming in, they can really start teaching us some things. So why not tear them down and be students ourselves while we're teaching them the skills and the knowledge that we have from years of being in a game? but yet be open to receive what they have. And I think that will change the relationship with new nurses and seasoned nurses. And then we're able to grow together. And then we're able to still be able to protect ourselves at a greater capacity. Because I'll be honest with you, if I read the Foley catheter policy six years ago when I started the organization, if they didn't give me no update, I didn't go and read the new updated policy because I already knew how to put the Foley catheter in. Right? You know what I mean? But did you know that you can sign, and I know I'm a geek and shit, but do you know that you can sign up wherever you work, doesn't matter what organization you are, and they probably do it anyway, you probably don't even have to sign up. Every time there's an update to a policy, they send you an email. Oh, really? But what do people do? Delete. Right. I did <laughs> but, not know that. Notifications, that is super cool. Well, that's, that's one good way to protect yourself and stay up to date, right? That's when- why I stay up to date with like the Board of Nursing, the BRN, the BBMPT. I get emails and stuff about what they're doing and stuff. Yeah, so that you're... way I stay abreast of what's changing and how I can use it to educate our nursing staff. Yeah, no, I've always seen you sharing things on your social about <clears throat> different things of different policies. And I think it's really cool. It's like shit that I would never even think about of what we can even do in our scope as nurses. I think you share one was about how marijuana giving children cannabis at school right. for neurologic seizure type of disorders. Right. So I thought that that was cool because I wouldn't have probably never, it's not my thing. My children don't deal with it. Right. Why would I ever known? And if a student asked me in the classroom, I probably wouldn't even know how to answer it. So that well, is the, really cool to stay. The problem on. was nurses were worried that they're going to lose their license for administering because it's not, as a nurse, it's illegal for us. Like they passed a law here in California this year, it took effect January 1st. 
as an employer, you can't ask, like if you were coming to work for me, I can't say, hey, Starshima, I'm going to drug test you. Are you doing drugs? Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't apply to nurses, but a lot of nurses think it does. But if you have a federal background check for your job, you can't do that here in California. Oh. Weed is still illegal for nurses and healthcare professionals. Yeah. I'm not saying don't smoke it because I don't care what you do, but yeah. it's illegal for us. And why is because we accept Medicare and Medi-Cal for our funding. And that is a federal finance and that's it's federally illegal. Yeah. That's why it affects us. Yeah. So, All tied into that money, huh? All tied, tied into, into that money. Every, that money every, straight. Decision, every decision we make in healthcare is always made about money. Yeah. Because I ask this a lot. I say, can RNs intubate? Can you intubate? I've never looked into, I don't think so. I know paramedics can if they're out in the field. Yeah, but but see I what I mean? But that's my point. Is nurses always say, no, that's not within our scope. But that's not true. It's still within your scope. Mm-hmm. Hospitals don't want you to do it because they can't charge for you. Oh. Right. That's why nowadays nurses are not able to do breathing treatments like we used to. It's common practice. Now they don't want us to do it because they can't charge for it. So if I have a person who needs a NEB, you know, respiratory, asthma, whatever it looks like. You got to call it respiratory. Because they won't get the charge if I started the nebulizer. Right. That's right. So now I'm just making up numbers. But if a patient gets admitted to the hospital, comes in the hospital, the hospital gets $20,000 for nursing service. They get one flat fee. Mm-hmm. So if you did everything, that's all the hospital gets. So they figured out if they say Starshima, just wipe ass and give lollipops. You need a breathing treatment called RT because now they can charge for respiratory care services. They can charge for the respiratory care assessment. They don't want you drawing labs anymore in the ED because they can't charge for phlebotomy services if you do it. So they want the phlebotomy to do it so they can charge for a phlebotomy service. Right. So Kevin, for our new nurses, think about that, though. Think about our new nurses. We're dumbing them down. Right. So for our new nurses, do we think about the money before we do the life-saving measure that's going to save? No, but if they they do it, they can technically get fired because they're not following policy. Shit. See what I mean? That's crazy. So how do you protect yourself when an organization fails you and you have somebody like a legal nurse consultant like Kevin coming in? Well, the good thing is that you get to, I guess, go back and look at the policy. I think that the hard thing sometimes is healthcare is when it comes to the money and providing good, competent care to your patient. You know, like as a nurse, I don't ever want to care about the money. I want to do the right, right thing whenever it is. We'll right. figure out the money shit on the backside, right? You know what I mean? But how do I save a life? And if me giving a nebulizer to open up someone will be that measure to change them, I would have to consider money first. Well, you know, I don't I, I don't have the policy memorized, but you have to look and see if the policy has any kind of leeway for you to make a decision in an emergency type situation. But if you say it's an emergency, your documentation better show that it's an emergency. Yeah. You can't have perfect vital signs and sats of 98% and you gave a breathing treatment because the kid was out of emergencies. I know, but people don't think about this stuff. Right. So, you know. I mean, yeah, though, that's true. Your charting should look like it should right. be the, picture, the words. <laughs> I'm not saying fudge your charting because that's illegal too, but right. no, no. you know, you got to make sure that you're doing the right thing because this happened here in a local hospital that is no longer open, if you know which one I'm talking about. Uh-huh. she, This little gal came, and I know it's probably not politically correct, but I don't give a shit, but this little gal came in. She's a new nurse, brand new nurse, and she came in one of my classes. She was devastated. She'd only been there six months. But in that six months, she made three medical errors. Wow. However, she did so in front of her precept. All huh. three errors were done in front of her precept. What do you think about that? Nobody corrected it? Nobody. That's my point. So why? And she got fired, not the precept. To me, the precept should have been fired. Yeah, when you're underneath that person, they're well, supposed they made to be showing feel, you the way. 
Right. But they made her feel like she did something wrong. But to me, if you're doing it in front of, so it tells me two things, either the preceptor wasn't there and left her on her own or the preceptor's a deep, deep and didn't know what the fuck they were doing. I love that. A deep, deep, deep. Which is Carlos Mencias. You know who he is? No. <laughs> you have to look him up. He's good. That's how I got, that's who I stole it from. So. Oh, okay. Deep, deep, deep. I love that. <laughs> I'm going to start calling people deep, deep, deep. Deep, 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 deep. No, I'm just <laughs> I know, but it's just, I feel bad for her because it changed her nursing outlook. Right. She was devastated. She didn't want to be a nurse no more, but because she, she, her first job, not even on the floor six months, three medical errors in front of her preceptor and got fired. And yeah. I just don't get them. Like, why would organization get rid of somebody? Why not see what was going on and fix the problem? Because to me, you shouldn't make medical errors in front of your preceptor. Yeah. Well, that kind of supports the statistics that we see about how many new nurses exit bedside within the first year. They don't feel supported. Yeah, they don't feel supported. The number one reason of why they're exiting is because they do not feel supported. They're not getting the support. They need help. They need these extra skills. And that concept of nurses eat their young, that's what we are appearing as seasoned nurses and not taking the time to train them up properly, help them feel supported and things of that nature. I really feel personally that where organizations can really change the game is start building coach-like preceptorship type programs to support these new nurses that are coming in. And But we may say it costs a little bit of money to do it, but think about the ROI on the backside because you think hey, about it, you trained me for six months and I decided back, to Let's leave. back up again. Let's back up. Use yes. that fancy word again, what you said. What? ROI. Return ROI. Yeah, but nurses who are in management, nurses who are directors never get trained on finance. Mm. They get trained on how to keep their budget down so they can get their bonus. Yeah. But they don't want to invest in you because, you know, right now, if I hired you at a certain hospital here in the Valley, it doesn't matter which one. And I'm sure some may, I'm sure there's an exception to the rule, but I haven't seen it yet. Starshima, I'm going to give you your new grad. I'm going to give you 12 weeks of orientation. We're going to take care of you. We're going to train you. How long do they really get? Six. No, just kidding. Not even that. They probably get four days. Sure. And then you throw them out. You know, I mean, I've never seen any hospital. And I could be wrong because, you know, I've been away for a little bit. But I have never seen any hospital give their nurses the full 12 weeks of training they deserve. And I think it comes back to the mentality of the managers and directors and maybe the people above. Because they're like, well, they went to nursing school. They should know something. Right. Well, no, and she even, didn't get out of nursing school. And even, but where is the level of, now this goes, we're still on topic of how to protect yourself even when the organization fails you. What about the one that's precepting them? Like if you've took on a job as a preceptor, your job is to make sure they are competent, that they have the skills that they need. And I know when I precepted that I had to give feedback. So why are we not giving true transparent feedback and doing it for the sake and the safety. We're worried about being politically correct. We're worried about hurting feelings. And did you get a preceptor class? Did anybody teach you how to be a preceptor? Mm. Mm. Did you? Yeah, I had to go through a preceptor class before I would be able to. How long was it? I think it was just a, was it a day? Right. And how intense is, I mean, did you really learn anything? Be Um. honest. Don't bullshit me. But that's my Because I learned something, Kevin. I know, but that's my point, something. though. The class that they put us through as preceptors is bullshit. Because right. you're teaching adults. We're not teaching kids. And you can't talk to an adult nurse the way you talk to a kid. And you got to learn how to talk to adults. Yeah. And sometimes when you're like me, you're very boisterous and direct. People get all butt hurt and shit. 
Yeah. You hurt my feelings, Tarjima. Right. But you got to learn how to deal with those kind of, you know. True. And you have to be as a preceptor when you think about taking on these roles, because sometimes people take on preceptorship because that's an extra opportunity to make more money while you're teaching. But it's also, you have to think about beyond the money is that this is a person and then this person is going to go out and duplicate my ways and do this. When I came into being a new nurse, as I was a tech in the ER before I was a nurse, so I got a chance to watch nurses and how nurses moved. I got to see what kind of nurse I wanted to be and what kind of nurse I didn't want to be. And then I found the nurse that I felt like was going to challenge me the most that I was like, I want to be like him when I grow up. And that's when I decided to choose my preceptor and absolutely amazing the things that he taught me today. And then I've got, you know, my sub mentors like yourself and some other people that was alongside me in the ER. But, you know, you was that bougie dude that worked the night shift. So I didn't get to see you that often. But anyway, you know, so I got to pick and like, where do we get that level of grit back in the nursing profession to help build our new nurses so that they can sustain in our organizations and not leave because they don't feel supported six months to a year after graduating nursing school. And we're forcing them to go on and get further degrees and then they become your bosses and you're mad at them because they're your boss, but you don't want to take the time to train them when they were your right. counterpart. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> I know, but it's true. So yeah, they, I don't think they think about it. I don't think organizations think that way. Mm-hmm. I don't think they structure. That's why a lot of nurses, like I told you a couple episodes ago, is children's nurses, they stay there forever because they feel supported. Management gets out and helps them. They support them. You know what I mean? They provide education and training, but we don't always do that. Yeah. And if we do do it, it's only for the day shift nurse. What about the night shift nurse? No, but it's true. Like, think about the classes that if they do offer them, when do they offer them? During a day. Yeah. Or once every couple of weeks and stuff. Like, why don't you offer it more often? But I think it's because they don't want to pay. Right. Like in the ER, there's a big pet peeve of mine. Why are ER nurses taking care of ICU patients when they haven't received what? ICU training. Why don't we send our nurses to the critical care consortium? It's a 12-week program. They go from head to toe and they teach nurses how to be a critical care nurse and it would benefit both. And I know ER nurses are going to be mad at me, but if you did that, now you have an opportunity that you can float them wherever you need them, ER, ICU, but you know, it's a win-win for everybody and stuff. But I think with the nature, I think it's still, you know, they may get upset about having to float and support the organization, but you're able to provide better care to your patients. And you right. think about how congested hospitals are around the world. The likeliness of you holding an ICU patient is very high. Right. And while they're in your care, don't you want to deliver the very best care to them? Right. So this is how do you protect yourself when the organizations fail you or right. when organizations can't do the things to keep you? Get your Be own education. Informed. Get your yeah, own, get education. own education. Yes. You know, and yeah, I think I we might have... have to travel and pay money. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, and I just really think that that's one big thing when you think about this, you know, is how do I protect myself when the organization failed me is to make sure I'm educated. I think making sure I'm educated to the best of my ability, go right. in and learn everything that you have to learn. And especially within your specialty. Like, I'm with you. I'm not the OB nurse. Like, what? Read what? What? I don't know what the hell that D-cell is. Like, huh? Right. I don't know. I say, right? <laughs> How the hell she's screaming? What's going on? Oh, it's a contraction. No, I'm just <laughs> Keep that thing inside. I don't want to come out here. So. 
But I, I know some amazing friends who do an amazing job there, you know, and if I ever needed Jacqueline, any kind of resources. I don't know if you remember Jacqueline. She's there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And she's a great L&D nurse, you know, and it's good to have these friends and places that you can leverage and ask questions to where you're not feeling strong. And I think that's another thing is having a good support system. What do you think about a support system, Kevin? Like for the new nurse who's coming in and even for a seasoned nurse that feel like they aren't supported right now, what do you think about creating and unifying you have to find people because you're trying to change a culture and it's very hard to change a culture mm -hmm. but you have to find people that are going to be willing to be kind and patient because i know a lot of nurses that when you try to teach younger nurses like oh god they're so stupid they're not stupid they just don't know shit so you got to be patient you got to be loving sometimes you got to give them a safe space to ask stupid questions but to me there are no stupid questions there's only one stupid question that's the one people don't ask so you have to make sure you give them a safe space. Like I'll give an example. You call a rapid response on the floor. This is my pet peeve right now. I'm seeing you call a rapid response on the floor. I need help in room 502. What does the nurse do until I get there to help? They're waiting for you. No, I'm just kidding. No, but that, you're not wrong. But that's exactly what they're being taught. Charge nurses. I've, people have told me this when they come to me. Charge nurses say, you don't call the rapid response. You come to me and I'll determine if I need to call a rapid response. And that's where I go back. I'm like, well, yeah, but what does the fucking policy say? Tell your charge nurse to fuck off. What does the policy say? Right. I have a nurse from a local hospital that's on the other side of town. It's on the bougie side of town, if you know which one I'm talking bougie. about. Bougie. <laughs> and this guy, I like him. He's a nice guy. He's okay, guys. He's, he's worked on the telly floor and his patient died and went into asystole. Mm. So he did what I told him to. Started CPR. He got the crash car, gave epi. He got the patient back to life before the rapid response and code team showed up. Yeah, but what did they say to him when they got there? He shouldn't have did anything. Yeah, he said, why the fuck? Why didn't you wait for us? So what does that tell him as a nurse? That he can make good decisions about his you know what I mean? So That's terrible. Like, why didn't they just say, hey, man, that's a great job. Like, you did awesome. That's perfect. You're working me out of a job, fool. Well, you know, that go back to that ego was the ego of the individual because we as nurses all know, and maybe because we come from an emergency background, but like, my ability to intervene and do the right thing and do it as quickly as possible can be the thing between life and death with my patient. Yeah. But you don't know if I'm going to be delayed as a rapid response nurse, a co-nurse. So why not train people to do our job? Why not train them to work us out of a job? Mm -hmm. That's what you should do. Yeah. But you should be proud. What's the difference between my license and their license? Just because they're working in a different unit? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, take your ass up and go take eight patients up on med surge. See how well you do. Right. <laughs> crying all night. <laughs> right. Seriously. I see. I couldn't do it. I, I took my hat off to those nurses. I'm just my mind. Just I couldn't do eight patients and managing them and doing all those things. You, could, just, you don't like it because you're not used to it. It's just but it's outside yeah. your comfort zone. Yeah. It just take us a while to get up and run it again. It's not that we can't do it. It's just we choose not to because we yeah. like the adrenaline. And it just ain't my magic. You know, I just really right. feel like as nurses too, like work where the hell you love, like yeah. to protect yourself when you know what you love. And that's where you're going to be most educated and passionate about you, it. Besides liability insurance, how do you protect yourself? Being educated, following policy and procedure. Yeah, mostly because I, I know I, it's an extreme example, but I'll say, Starshima, if your scope of practice says you can't stab Kevin, but your policy says to take a knife and stab Kevin, what should you do? Well, it's such a conflicting thing, but you're Policies and procedures should definitely guide from your scope of your practice, what should, right? What, according to your policy, what should you do? I will follow my scope of practice and I would not. No. Well, no follow right. policy so and yeah, but wait, wait, you're mixing. And that's why I want you to think about it. You're mixing up scope of practice and policy. 
That's okay. why I'm trying to get nurses to separate the two. Okay, so if my scope says I don't, cannot stab don't Kevin. Don't stab Kevin, but your policy says stab Kevin. What do you do? Now me, because I feel okay, that- Let me rephrase my, my question. What are you supposed to do? How's that? Well, what you're supposed to do technically is follow the policy. Yes. But you must know what your scope of practice is. Yeah, but if you don't follow policy, what can happen to you? You're up for litigation. And you can get fired. You can get fired and sued if it causes some harm to the patient. Because this is what happens. When you get sued, they'll go and say, Starshima, your scope says don't stab Kevin. Why the fuck right. did you stab Kevin? Right. Why did you stab him? The policy said to stab him. Does it really say that, Starshima? And so as an investigator, you go to the policy and the policy says that, who am I going to go to next? The organization. Right. And that's why I'm trying to get nurses to understand. Yeah. Well, we hope and pray that whoever writes the policy, <laughs> that they didn't mess it up like that because damn, no, I know, whoever wrote that policy, they messed up. <laughs> I know it's an extreme, but I, it helps get the point across that you got to always follow your policy. Yeah. Yes, you should know your scope, but you got to follow policy because your scope may say, you can intubate, you can put in central lines, but can the hospital say, no, we don't want you doing that. Our policy says no. Yeah. Yeah, they have the right because they're the organization. So sure. that's why I always tell people, start with your policy as well. Yeah. And it's overwhelming because there's so many policies. Mm -hmm. So everybody has a unit policy. Read your unit policies. Mm -hmm. Then go out to the general nursing policy and then forget about all the other stupid shit like eating, drinking, and you know, clocking in, clocking out. Quit worrying about that crap. <laughs> hey, hey, but for me, I needed to know that policy because my ass was on <clears throat> What's that six minute rule? As long as you're there six minutes before and six minutes after, you're fine. <laughs> I was always late. I'm like, damn it. That was my thing. <laughs> Can't get me on nothing else, but punctuality might have been different. Good thing we had photos right. in the morning because that was it. But when I showed up, I was going to work, but I was going right. to All right, Kevin. Well, I think this was a really, really good episode about how to help nurses protect themselves when organizations fail them. What I heard from you was one, hey, make sure you know your policies, educate yourself, make sure you know, know what your unit policy says, then expand your knowledge around that. Definitely know what your scope of practice is. And then here's the big thing, just in case you thought you were following policy and you didn't follow it, get you some liability insurance, some good, good liability insurance right. for less than $200 a year. Both. And it may save you hundreds of thousands of dollars right. in the long run. Because an average investigation by the board, because you're guilty until proven innocent in front of the board. So an average investigation can be anywhere from 15, 20,000 bucks, just the investigation. And, and then, then if you, you sue, it's another then If you sue to go to court, then you got all the other fees and stuff. So that's what, it helps you protect you from the board and it helps protect you from a lawsuit. Right. At least lessens the damage anyway. Right. And I just want to tell to my new, my new nurses, don't get discouraged out here coming into the field. Find a way to connect with your preceptor so right. that you can get the support that you need. Use your voice. The nursing profession needs you just like you need it to right. drive a greater impact. Whether you're climbing the corporate ladder, whether you want to run the organization, you have to start here. Don't let anyone take you off course from starting. Be educated, be informed. And but don't forget where you came from either. Don't get right? up the corporate ladder and forget about us. Right. Remember, remember your two good, good friends, okay? <laughs> your two good, good friends over here on the Nurse to Nurse podcast and saying, yeah. we got your back. <laughs> right. Come hang out with us. Absolutely. Right. All right, Kevin, wrap it up for us, friend. All right. So my thing is, you know, I, I hope you keep listening to it because I want to make a difference for you guys. Again, education, make sure you follow policies, get liability insurance, 
but don't blame other people. You're it's your license. You want to be treated like a professional, so you got to take the responsibility as a professional. So I think that you, you know, keep coming to see us. We'll get you there. All right, y'all. Until the next episode, take care.